Hey, I'm Will, and this is Benj. We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big. And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will it look like? How will it adapt and innovate and thrive? If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners around what comes next. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation. Well, dear friends, this is a roundtable episode. What does that mean, Bench? Well, it means we are continuing the conversation from last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to that. That will give you context for what we're talking about today. Jamie Freeman and a couple of friends that he's pulled in are going to go through that episode and kind of help to unpack it and flesh it out in different contexts. So this is your chance to go deeper and consider what these ideas might look like where you are. This episode is brought to you by Baptist Care, a leading non-profit Christian organization serving the aged and people living with disadvantage for over 75 years. Did you know that as well as providing residential aged care, Baptist Care's Hope Street sites create safe spaces for disadvantaged and distressed individuals facing issues such as domestic violence, homelessness, mental health, or addiction issues. If you want to make a difference in your community, then volunteering with Baptist Care is a great way to do that. You can join the team as a pastoral care volunteer or help serve at a Hope Street site or visit residents in aged care homes. On Forming Church, we're always talking about ways the church can connect with the neighbourhood and volunteering with Baptist Care is a fantastic way to do that. To get involved or find out more, visit baptistcare.org.au. Hello and welcome to the Forming Church Podcast Roundtable Conversations. Well, I have a very special treat for everyone today. I'd love to welcome back my friends from Season 1, Ken and Pip. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Here we are again. So good to see you in another lockdown. Good to be back. (laughs) Excellent. Guys, I'd love for those who might not be aware of your story and are just jumping in in season two, if that is you, by the way, go back to season one, start from the beginning. It's definitely worth the ride. But for those people who are just jumping in, can you share with us a bit about um, your life, your ministry context and, and what's going on for you? And maybe for those who are familiar with you, just a bit of a snapshot of what's been happening recently. Pip, I'll throw to you. Yeah, great. Uh, So my name is Pip Miner. I work with Global Interaction, the um, Baptist Mission Agency in Australia. Um, I've been working with them in Australia for three years. And uh, before that, I spent nine years working with Global Interaction in Cambodia. Since season one, I don't know how much has changed or or, um, has been different, but I guess I have... Um, increasingly become aware of the fact that our global mission needs to also inform our intercultural engagement in Australia. And so I'm just really enjoying um, learning and thinking and growing in how those two areas connect and how we can use um, principles and learnings from global mission in our backyards here in Australia as well. Awesome. Uh, I'm Ken Kamau, a church planter uh, and uh, I mean, what's been happening for me since the last season? 
Uh, I think I've just been in that space where I'm trying to learn and figure out what does it look like to see church multiplication uh, happen uh, in a space that is ever fluid um, and uh, really heightened anxiety, um, yet in a space that is in great need to hear a message of hope. Um, and so just that's just a space of learning that I've been in um, and uh, really excited to see you know, people step out in this season, uh, especially around the area of just simple church um, model that brings people around uh, a dinner table and that format. Uh, that's been really exciting. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Thank you, guys. It's so great to have you here with us again I was just reflecting on uh, the why behind this podcast and for a number of years we were running a church planting and evangelism conference that looked at um, new missional initiatives and what it meant to be a part of these and to inspire these and to encourage these and then kind of COVID hit and um, we weren't able to meet and the question was well how do we keep this conversation going especially at this critical time in which we're thinking about the future of the church. And, um, and so that's the podcast emerged out of this space where we were wanting to keep the conversation going, but also wanting to ask questions about, God, what is this new thing that you are doing? What will the church of the future look like? And how do we navigate it in this present moment in order to um, discern your heart and your will for the church here in Australia? And so that, that was season one. And then we jumped into season two as the conversation continued. And we've had some amazing guests over this season. I'd love to hear from you guys. What, what have been some key highlights that stood out to you from season two so far? One of the episodes uh, by Todd on tempered resilience, that was like, has been my highlight uh, for two reasons. One, because I'm, I'm going through a sense of, of, of change management uh, and, and just the truth that uh, is laid on the table is just amazing. Uh, just the reality of the snapshot he gives around lack of discipleship, leadership, deep community, uh, and that prophetic voice is just something that I felt I was in that space in that moment. And so just to hear the wisdom um, that, that, that Todd brings is just was really a highlight for me. That has been my standout episode so far nice um well first can i say i'm enjoying the new uh format for season two so in season one we had um an interview with a short roundtable discussion following each episode uh season two we've got uh, an interview each week and then a separate roundtable the following week and i've just really enjoyed hearing from different people in the various roundtable discussions uh for example hearing hearing from um Kelly Crawford and Daz Farrell uh, responding to that uh, podcast episode by Todd that uh, Ken mentioned a moment ago was just fantastic. Just allowing them to have a little bit more space and time was just like sitting down with a couple of thoughtful friends uh, to talk more about what was already a great episode. And there've been a couple of times when I've come back to the interview again and listened to the, the, uh, the uh, interview again, following the round table discussion. So having, um, yeah, just um, the, the changing format, I think has been great too. Oh, that's great, guys. And if you're listening, we would love to hear your thoughts on what have been the highlights of season two so far. And you can do so on the Facebook group, just search Forming Church Podcast. Uh, and uh, if you'd also, while you're on there, love to 
leave us a review, um, rate the podcast, share it with your friends, anything that you can do to get the word out there and to continue the conversation in a broader sense. We would really, really love that. Well, let's get into last week's episode where Benj and Will sat down with Dr. Louise Gosbull and this topic of inclusion and interdependence of people with different abilities. Guys, I was wondering what stood out to you in that interview? Well, the first thing that I wondered is if this roundtable discussion should come with a language warning. I'm not planning to swear, but... I recognise that language is both important and changing. Um, the ways that we use language is continuing, continuing to evolve. Um, and I think, for example, a decade ago, I probably would have referred to someone as a homeless person, whereas now I would speak of them as a person experiencing homelessness because that's not the definition of who they are. It's not the summary of the, their identity. It's something that's significant that they are experiencing at this time. So when it comes to disability and inclusion, uh, Louise is a specialist in this area, and that's why I appreciate hearing from her and listening to her. Um, I'm not a specialist in this area, but I recognise that it's important for me to consider my language as well as just try to talk about this, recognising that I'm learning, that we're learning and that we're going to make mistakes along the way. And so I guess with that in mind, when I, I heard um, the interview, I heard within a question, Benj, make the, the comment that uh, there's, there's no one in my church with a disability now. And I think um, rightly so, Louise kind of challenged that and, and pushed back on that a little and said, um, I bet you do have people in your church with a disability because one in five Australians live with a disability. So she said, do a community audit, ask those questions, ask people in your church, do you have a disability? Does someone in your family have a disability? What can we do to enable you or others to be more included in your church and I think yeah we are all learning together I reflect on the reality that just a few months ago we uh, filmed a little video to uh, invite people to to come to a ministry that we have in our church building and so one of the things that we did was we filmed one of the leaders welcoming people from the front door through the corridor up the stairs turning right into the room that we meet and I thought this would be a great way to visually show people what it would be like if you've never come to that particular group before um, to be welcomed in and to come in. Now, we have a lift that will take you to that same building, but we didn't shoot that in our video. I think basically because I use the stairs and I realised that I'm learning in this regards, uh, that I don't always use the, the best language, that I don't always think of things in, in the right way, um, but I'm in this conversation together and, and we're learning together. Oh, that's such a helpful reflection. Thank you, Pip. That stat really stood out to me as well, like the one in five or 20% of people in Australia are living with disabilities. And it did raise for me that question, is this reflected in our church communities? And if not, why? And so I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Do you think that is reflected um, more broadly across the, the Australian church? Mm. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it is. I don't know if maybe maybe it is. We're just not aware Uh 
or maybe it isn't because we have not taken time uh, to sort of engage in that space. And so one of the things that sort of came to me, uh, my area of, of passion being church planting, is that one of the things we really encourage uh, our church planters is to ensure that the church plant they're leading reflects the community God has placed them in. Uh, and f- to be honest, uh, this is not something I've thought about in terms when I talk about that. But just listening to Louise has sort of opened up my mind to like, hey, this is something that also needs to be on the table. If it's, if it's one person in every five, um, just like we ask you to be very intentional in your church plant reflecting the cultures around you, it also has to go beyond that. Uh, and reflect uh, every aspect of your community. So I really think the community audit as, as just something that church plants do uh, will be critical um, in, in that. Um, so yeah, Jamie, that's, the other thing that's coming to my mind is that uh, I, I, in my theological training, I do not remember a time uh, when I was actually equipped to deal with this. Um, I was equipped in how to you know, share from scripture, I was equipped in how to do this and uh, put together bands or teams and, and all these things, kids ministry, but no one ever sat with me and told me, this is part of what you need to be equipped for. Um, yeah, so that's one of the other things I feel is sort of a gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can remember growing up um, in church and there was a, a, a woman in our church who was living with cerebral palsy and an incredibly intelligent woman with a great sense of humor and she was confined to a wheelchair with limited speech and my dad used to pick her up for a weekly bible study and uh and also for the sunday church gathering and um my parents even designed uh their home in a way that made it accessible for her and i was thinking uh after listening to louise's uh interview with the guys i was thinking about the home group experience and and wondering about how much of an impact that home group experience had on our um, corporate Sunday gathering, both for this woman, but also for for us as individuals and people across generations that did life with her in that in that context. Because we would always speak to her before and after the service because she was someone that was familiar, and she also had people across many di- different generations that that she knew and and could interact with. And I, I suppose I was just wondering about. Um, the the impact um, of both of those spaces and doing life together more broadly uh, that that had on on her, but also on us growing up in that context. And then I was, I was you know, th- also thinking about other people in um, my church experience growing up and and now and 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 really struck by that stat. I don't know if you guys had any further thoughts on that. I wonder about your experience, Jamie, growing up. If if that was. Um a way to ask questions that a community audit tool might ask, um, a way to develop relationships and, and ask questions of, of someone and their experience uh, without the, the, those formal tools and without that language. Uh, because I think relationship and understanding is really the, the starting point of, of where inclusion and belonging and community uh, needs to, to end up at. And I think that one of the things that Louise talked about as well was just the assumptions that we sometimes make. We make assumptions about why a person or a family doesn't show up yeah. to a Sunday gathering regularly or why they can't commit to the Bible study. Uh, but 
in just developing relationships with people, we can uh, listen, we can understand, we can understand um, where they're coming from, and then we can then be shaped as a, a larger community by the experiences of everyone. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's so good. I think it's so hard to um, to slow down and to be curious and to ask questions just more broadly in church life. And I think often um, as leaders, we operate from our own personal experience, which is okay. Um, But if that's all we ever know, and if we don't engage other people and their experience, then we are making decisions from a, from a place of assumptions. And, uh, and that can uh, not only limit, but in some cases can be quite damaging. Yeah. Yeah. And Jamie, just, just building on that, I think the second point that Louise makes significant um, uh, sort of next step is the area of having someone, just like we have a safe church team uh, that takes time to intentionally look at safety around the church, is having a team that actually looks at this. Uh, and I think, like you said, because that's not, your, it's not the experience you're going through, uh, we naturally, by default, go to... Um, areas of, of that are of comfort and we do we, we know this we just do this this is what we do uh, and we become blinded to the other experiences it could be whether it's language or even music um, and, and so having a, a team around you that is uh, with people who are coming from a sense of they understand what it's like to live with a, a disability and therefore having them guide and lead you this is what it means when we have when you ask everyone, hey, everyone stand up and do this and this. This is what it means for us. Is there a better way to say it? Uh, when you have people who may be uh, hearing impaired and, and they're like, this is what, it, you know, those, that for me was a significant moment. Listen to voices other than yours. And I think um, one of the things that she highlighted was the importance of doing that now yes. as we're emerging from COVID and some of the benefits of COVID in terms of our online interactions and that actually it's not about snapping back or getting back to normal, but what are the things that God is teaching us through this season? Uh, yeah. what, and, and the only way that we can answer that question truly as the body is to engage the body. Uh, yeah. What is God teaching us collectively and what is God teaching us as individuals? What has been hard for us as individuals, but also what has been hard for us collectively and, and, and begin to push into some of those things. Uh, but also what has been good? Where have we experienced life and flourishing in the midst of some of these challenges? Um, and, and the importance on, go, on going through that journey together, I guess. Yeah. And Jamie, when you think about the fact that um, this is just, we're not doing this just because uh, it's a social thing we're doing. Uh, we're actually creating a space for people to hear God's word. Um, and, 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 and for some, this is where they will just have an encounter with God and make decisions that are, have e- eternal impact. So it's beyond just a social thing. Uh, it's, it, it has a, yeah, this, the consequences or the, the, the reward are much more significant. I did love the, the scriptures that she used around the breaking of the roof in Mark and yeah. the people just wanting to get their friend next to and near Jesus and uh, the banquet and this whole idea of proximity to Jesus and what that looks like. And yeah, uh, that's great. Mm. Yeah. I listened to another um, podcast where she talked about the, the banquet in Luke 14 and about the historical connection that if there were people in disability uh, with a disability 
in that banquet feast, they would have had one of two roles. Either they would have been serving at the feast or they would have been entertainment. But Jesus really takes that and reframes that and says, no, these people in the kingdom of God are honoured guests. <laughs> these people in the kingdom of God are feasting at the table. And, and this is the very real um, picture in the parable that Jesus puts out for us. Mm, and that's good news, isn't it? That yeah. really Amen. is good news. Mm. This episode is sponsored by Baptist Financial Services. Invest with purpose. Find out more at bfs.org.au. What else stood out to you guys? Well, thinking about um, this podcast, I I don't at this stage uh, have a child with a disability, um, so I, I can't connect on, on that level. Um, but I was thinking about times where, uh, for me, uh, particularly with my kids, um, church, the experience of going to church on Sunday has been at times stressful. So uh, one of my children, for example, has a serious food allergy. Um, he's had anaphylactic reactions to milk and milk products. And I remembered a time a couple of years ago on Easter Sunday when um, we had, I think, prepared pretty well as, as a family. We'd uh, talked about what was going to happen on Easter Sunday, the fact that there might be chocolates there at church. Um, I brought the dairy-free chocolate with me. We had the EpiPens and the other medications in the backpack. Um, I'd reminded my young son that he needed to check with me before eating anything. Uh, I reminded myself that the sign-in sheet at Crèche has a note about his allergies under his name. Uh, so we did all the right things and we got through the couple of hours of church, including morning tea, with no incidents at all. And yet it was after that, at the park, hanging out with family and friends, that I realised just a sense of physical relief at that point. And I thought about what was going on and I realised that I was just so stressed from that experience of going to church with my family that day and that the goal for me, the number one goal was getting through those two hours without incident or injury. (laughs) And as I reflected on in the path, I thought, of course, Easter Sunday is so much more than that. Easter Sunday is about the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's about reconciliation and redemption. But I think I'd missed that in those past two hours because I couldn't focus on anything more than keeping my kid alive. And so while I don't relate directly to that experience, I can imagine that for a number of parents out there, it might be difficult and stressful to engage in what we might consider a pretty normal kind of a Sunday activity. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. That That's a really helpful perspective, something that I haven't had to think through personally as a parent. So really, really helpful to, to gain that perspective from you. Ken, anything else from you? Yeah, I think I had a conversation uh, in my church with uh, one of my, um, one of the families at the church. Now, the thing is, uh, this particular, uh, I have a Greek congregation as part of my uh, church, and they've been in that, in the same place for about 50 years. And uh, I was helping one of the ladies uh, get down the stairs. um, And she made a comment that, that really, as I listened to Louise, had me thinking, she said, when we built this, when we put things in place, we never thought we'd grow old. So the gaps between the stairs are really high 
And now it's now that we're starting to think, they're starting to ask their questions, okay, what are we gonna do? Because they're struggling to get from one part of the building to the next. And this had me thinking, as I listened to it, it sort of put a framework around the question. What are we doing now um, that if someone walked in who had a, any form of disability, um, that they would actually be able to say, these people have thought about me? Because if you control the narrative uh, and your sphere of experience is limited to your own experience, you will build everything uh, around your experience. Uh, and then in a couple of years, in 30, 40 years, uh, you come in and you can't even see anything on the screen anymore or, or you can't hear anything. So that just got me thinking like, what questions do I need to answer now uh, for the here and now that speak to a wider audience? And how do we include the voices of those people who aren't yeah. in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, if you were to ask Louise a follow-up question, what would you push into? Now, one of the things uh, Louise mentions is uh, a book uh, she wrote, uh, I think for the Anglican um, diocese or something. Uh, we, I tried to trace it. I couldn't get a hold of it. So I'd love to know if that is available for public um, uh, viewing or it's something that maybe was a private uh, thing. I'd love to know because she sounds, it sounds like she's actually put her thoughts together with the church in mind. And I'd love just to hear, because she has talked about a checklist and all those things. That, that's something I'd really love. Yeah, I think the same for me, um, Jamie. Um, I am intrigued about the... Um, the community audit tool as part of the disability handbook and uh, would love if we could have a link to that or have access to that somehow. Um, I think also I was just interested to think about how um, Jesus interacted with people with disability and what we can take from that for our situations today. And um, perhaps this is something to ask Louise about as a follow-up. Perhaps this is something uh, to dig into myself uh, personally, but I think that um, strengthening our theological understandings of disability and inclusion is really relevant for us today. That's fantastic, guys. Did you have any next steps other than pointing people back to Louise's resources and uh, leaning into that further? Any next steps that you could suggest for people? I don't know. Maybe as a, as a, as a person who's leading a local church, um, for me, anyone who's uh, either leading a church and has not thought through this or anyone who's uh, planting a church, um, I think a next step for me would be, one, do a community audit. Uh, this is really key. And number two, if you're an existing congregation, um, just like you've done for Safe Church and everything, just set up a team that is asking these questions. Uh, and then number three, be willing to act on them. Um, and so that for me would be next steps. And I'd even add on to that, Ken, I think doing a community audit is really good. But something that uh, kind of sparked in my mind as you were sharing a bit before is doing a community audit with your broader neighborhood in mind as well is a really helpful exercise because often if our churches don't reflect the broader community that they're in those voices might not be heard so how do we yeah. actually engage um, those other voices in the community when we think about our gathering rhythms our liturgies our spaces how do we make them places um, that are inclusive places that uh, help us to build communities, places of belonging uh, where we can be interdependent 
and uh, mm. grow together into Christ likeness. Yeah. Mm. So that's good. Mm. I think um, thinking uh, a little bit more about the global perspective, um, people with disability have been described as the world's largest minority. And I think that there's an important link between poverty and disability. Um, the reality that disability can be both a cause of poverty and a consequence of poverty. So people with disabilities experience high levels of poverty and being poor increases their chances of having a disability. So this creates a cycle of uh, poverty and disability that can be really difficult to break. So if we think about, for example, some of the factors that um, uh, feed into that, the, the lack of uh, adequate nutrition, healthcare, access to clean water and sanitation, um, the lack of access to safe working conditions and so on, these uh, increase people's chances of um, having a disability. And then this can lead to then reduced access to things like education, rehabilitation, skills, training, employment, and so on. And so that, that cycle can continue. And so I reflect on the, the reality that, that if there are one in five Australians that live with a disability today, then surely there are countries in the world where there's an even higher proportion of people who are living with disability. And I talk about this and I think about this because um, I think that this is more than just an issue for the aid and development specialists or uh, an issue for people who have a particular interest in disability, because I think that globally uh, we need to be considering integral mission about how our faith and deeds go together, how church planting and um, ministries of compassion and justice connect with each other and how by speaking and listening to each other we can look at what it means to build healthy churches here in Australia and in other countries around the world. And so I don't know if I've got one particular follow-up or one particular question, um, but I think that it's an important global issue for us to engage with, uh, not just for the sake of justice or compassion, but for the sake of having a healthy global church. Mm. So good. And I was struck in... Um what she was saying around the difference between the American church and even the Australian church in that space. And because of our social welfare system, because of um, the agencies, the parachurch agencies that, that, that work in these spaces, uh, just the, the Australian church's engagement, even compared to the American church's engagement in these places. So um, a really helpful um, thing that you've raised, Pip, and would be really fruitful diving into that further. Guys, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. It's been totally brilliant to have you back around the table and to spend some time throwing these things around. So I really appreciate your time. And also, I wanted to thank you for listening in and joining the conversation. If you'd like to do this further, we would love to have your thoughts on the Facebook group or on the Instagram. Um, any last words from you, Pip or Ken? Well, I'm sure there's some more theological study to be done in this area. So if you're looking for uh, honours, a master's, a PhD, then why don't you consider disability and inclusion or a related area? Fantastic. Uh, I would just say, take a next step. Just actually choose one thing you can do and just do it. Excellent. We'll finish on that note. Thanks, guys. <laughs>